Welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. Hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno coming to you from Southern Ontario, where you can find, follow me at Statsman22. And my co-host, AJ Scholes, is a great follow at AJ Scholes24. That's, he's based in another hockey-mad area in the USA, specifically Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. I got to do a, a weather check. AJ, are you uh, surrounded by snow at the moment? Uh, it's it's light, but there's snow on the ground. Uh, it's going to melt pretty quick here, I think. So it's not going to stay around. But yeah, we did get some some snow this morning. There were some excited screams from the girls in my house this morning. But uh, yeah, they, they'll be a little disappointed that it didn't stick around. Well, we still haven't seen anything here in Richmond Hill. So I'm uh, I'm pretty pleased with that uh, situation at the moment. Listen, we have some news about an international hockey tournament that might take place next year. It's in the planning stage and it's going to have a different feel from uh, several of the other Canada Cups and, you know, NHL sponsored events that we've seen in the last couple of decades. It's going to feature four countries, AJ, Canada, U.S., Sweden and Finland where the Swedes and the Finns will play, a, uh, I guess, a two-game series over the, over the, across the pond, and Canada and the United States will do the same thing here. And then the winners will meet in a in a final round series. So that, uh, that could be a little bit of in, uh, fun, uh, but there are some players that will be left out and in the mix. Dreisaitl, of course, is the first name that leaps to mind, and uh, we'll talk about what, where he might fit in in terms of the world stage uh, at the end of the show. But I just wondered what you thought about the concept of a four-team international tournament. So I, my initial reaction is, like, we need more teams than that. Like, four <laughs> is not enough. Like, we got to have eight or something. Um, they are admittedly in a hard spot with everything going on uh, with the Russian-Ukrainian war that they right. don't want to allow – uh russia to play in it i i get that so there takes like one of the top teams right off the board um there so then you know you're looking at you mentioned germany as a possibility of course um you know any of the any of those countries over there could probably put finland could probably put together czech republic slovakia there's a handful of countries that could put together competitive teams i i think uh in this tournament so i I want more teams, um, but I do get that they are in a hard spot when you have to, you know, take one of the what would be one of the contenders uh, off the board right away. Well, we'll circle back to to the possibilities for the future location uh, of a of a tournament that might uh, resemble what just happened in Sweden. We'll talk about that whole topic area a little bit later on in the show. But AJ, I want to don't want to waste any more time. I want to jump into our usual fair, looking around the league. Uh, a division at a time and we're circling back the second time now to see what's going on in the Atlantic division. And, you know, after a lot of conjecture, even supported by your opinion and mine at the beginning of the season, the standings are taking a very familiar look in this division, not unlike what we saw last year. And uh, I'll, I'll lead us off into the discussion where I see Boston at the top of the ladder. Uh, it looks like they're just picking up where they left off last year, despite the whole host of roster losses i'll say including their top two centers from last year number three and number four centers are actually number one and number two this year and they haven't missed a beat then florida has thrived without uh, a couple of veteran blue liners in ekblad and montour now those injured guys those uh, long injured guys are back in the fold and this team is a strong second behind the bruins and that leaves the maple leafs in a in a battle to keep pace 
and uh, it was certainly William Nylander week last week in uh, in Sweden with his strong performance continuing. He set a club record point streak, getting at least a point in every game that the Leafs have played so far this year. And uh, the big guns are firing, but uh, there's concern about the defense, and uh, I'll have some thoughts about that. I wonder what you think about the possibilities. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think, but I think there could be a new visitor to Robida Island, and that's where where uh, injured players go to uh, play out the string, and John Klingberg might qualify in that regard because he has not been healthy for the club, and he signed a big dollar contract in the offseason. This team needs to shore up the blue line, and the move that I'm expecting is Klingberg to go on long-term IR and the Leafs finally get a chance to acquire a uh, healthy top four type defensemen and uh, looking around the NHL, there are a few available. Tampa's kept pace with the, the leaders, despite the fact that uh, Vasilevsky has been out of the lineup. His return is on the horizon, expected possibly as early as, as uh, later this week, in fact, and uh, they've survived quite nicely so far, thanks to their top guns firing on all cylinders. And after that, it's Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, and Montreal bringing up the rear and my my view on the four of those teams is none of them really look like they're actually ready to take the next step. There was, despite much hype that uh, admittedly I got sucked into, I thought all three of these teams would be much improved, but they all have some weaknesses. Detroit uh, in the nets, Buffalo in the nets, Ottawa in the nets, uh, and on defense a little bit with some injuries. Montreal hasn't taken the ne- next step. I don't even know why they're carrying three goalies at this stage of the season. I suppose it's a waiver concern, but... That's that's a uh, something they got they got to address, and there are other teams in the league that are looking for goalies, so they got to hold hold them up for uh, trade and and straighten that situation out. So that's the way I see it. Not unlike the standings almost that we saw last year in this division. I wonder what your thoughts are on this group of eight. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting to see Boston in this position with even with that what we would I think we would both call kind of a weak center center position here um you know initially i thought maybe towards the trade deadline they'd you know potentially be buyers trying to strengthen that center position and while that is still viable uh and an option do they need to if they're winning this much with the centers they got why kind of mess with the chemistry there um so you know maybe maybe they won't be quite as active in that spot uh you mentioned obviously the injury returns you know florida at reshapes that entire blue line. I mean, you talk about adding those guys in now their third pairing is Oliver Ekman Larson and Dmitry Kulikov, like, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, who was out there before. So that's huge. Uh, Tampa, you know, they just needed, we said this at the start of the season, they needed to hold on until Vasilevsky came back. They're sitting fourth uh, tied in points with the Leafs, although your Leafs have uh, two games in hand on them. So they're right there in the mix. Uh, they're in a wild card spot right now. And so if that's really where they need to be. Um, so, yeah, they've done well uh, to ride out that storm. All right, AJ. Well, without further ado, why don't we get into our usual fair and take a look around the league and look at the players who were most productive last week. Of course, there's a lot of high-end players on the list, but at the top, there's one Sidney Crosby. So I'll let you wax poetic about your favorite player in the, in the Penguins lineup. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, unfortunately, against the the Golden Knights there, he didn't have a point. Uh, That brought a uh, 17 or an 11-game point streak in which he had 17 points to to a close there. But 
Uh, still had four shots, so I think uh, no real concerns there. Perhaps the least surprising thing on this uh, on this stat list is 100% owned in leagues. What a shocker there. Um, so, yeah, you know, Crosby obviously off the top. Great week. Uh, five goals during that stretch. Uh, 12 shots. So a really strong week for him. Uh, some guys that are maybe a little bit further down uh, the list uh, in terms of ownership percentage, all three of these next guys under 70%. So there's a chance they're available in your league. Pair of Islanders and Matthew Barzell and Brock Nelson. Again, two goals for each of them. Nelson really has some appeal there. 19 shots uh, in four games. So that's a pretty high volume there. Barzell is dual eligible as a winger, so that's helpful too. Uh, and then uh, Valeri Nichushkin, 68% owned, four goals this last week, uh, some power play points as, as well. So really a strong group at, at the top, but also some guys that, look, maybe if you're in a, a shallower league, you're one of these leagues that isn't, uh, you know, the, the three out of 10 that don't have these guys. Uh, so maybe just take a look. I, I could imagine because of where they are in the standings, the Islanders might be a little under-owned. Um, they're seventh in, in the Metropolitan. The wins haven't necessarily been there, but Bar Barzell and Nelson doing their part. And uh, I'll pick up where you left off. We maligned Vander Kane a while back, and he's really put his nose to the grindstone in the last couple of weeks. Despite Edmonton's woes, he's continuing to score and be a physical presence. That's what they need out of him. So at least he's doing his part. Picked up four goals on the week last week, and he's owned in almost 80% of leagues, but there are 21% that don't see him involved. And I'm surprised that number is that high, considering the chances he has to play with one or both of uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid over in Edmonton. I mean, offense is not the problem with the Oilers. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show uh, if, if we get some time. But uh, beyond that, I mean, there's familiar faces. Nikita Kucherov, Jonathan Marchessault, they did their thing. Braden Point, Pasternak. But between them all, there's a couple other guys that Merritt mentioned. Pavel Buknevich with St. Louis, another one of these two-position guys, AJ. And his ownership climbed a little bit, but he's still only at 61% uh, on the year. And that means a lot of people are missing out on his consistent scoring. He's playing over 20 minutes a game as well. So that's an added value in his uh, back pocket. And also, there's an interesting backstory to Eli Tolvanen with Seattle. He's another guy that appears on this list, owned in 37% of leagues, picked up three helpers on the week, averaging 17 minutes a game, playing top six minutes in Seattle. And we'll rem remind our listeners that last year, he was a guy that was on put on waivers by Nashville. And uh, some people look back on that saying, why did they do that? Because this guy was a high draft pick. He has been uh, had been struggling a little bit. Maybe they got a little bit frustrated with him, but boy, they they jettisoned him a little bit too quickly in my opinion a young guy with uh, with a high upside and seattle's taking advantage of that and he's fitting in almost scoring at a point per game pace since he joined the club last year and early on into this season he, he's at that uh, very close to that point per game pace uh, thus far in this particular calendar year and uh after that you know brock bo horvat i was wondering how he would follow up a strong second half last year with the islanders he uh, really didn't make too too many uh, remind too many people in Vancouver how fun he thought it was to be there. He kind of kicked the organization when they were down last season, 
but uh, certainly Vancouver's not crying about it the way they're going this year. But Horvat just picked up where he's left off, four points on the week, and he's doing it with a physical physicality in his play as well. So if you value hits in your leagues, the six that he picked up last last week are indicative of the fact that he plays a, a hard-nosed game and he's uh, on top of it right now. In Colorado, Ross Colton is a, another guy that I'll mention, AJ, owned in only 22% of leagues, but he's playing with a bunch of strong forwards over there in Tampa and they're rotating him in and out of the second and third lines. So he's getting a chance to score and he produced three goals and one helper last week. And uh, along with the six hits as well, uh, it shows me that he's playing a competitive style of play. Only 1341 in average ice time, but uh, Colorado's got a host of stars that he can play with there as well. And so uh, he he stands a chance to continue to be a productive player despite the low ownership. I think people got to take a look and see if they can fit him into their lineup because he's another two-position player. And uh, you can't have too many of those guys. It gives you a lot of flexibility, I find, in, in leagues that offer that opportunity. Well, I'll take us over to the defenseman, Paul. Uh, I'll leave the top of the list if you want to talk about those guys, but it's pretty much the names you expect to see. All the guys are above 90% ownership. So going a little bit further down, Radko Gudis with a pretty strong week, uh, 53% ownership for him. And that's on the back of uh, uh, a significant number of hits, uh, 14 hits, eight blocks as well, but he did have uh, a goal and two, two assists. I think Gudis is, you know, the key to his numbers uh, are going to be you need hits to be a category in your league. You need blocks to be a category in your league. So certainly something to to consider there. Another name low on the ownership list, Sean Walker for Philadelphia. He's had flashes. I'm not you're probably going to have to be in a deeper league to, to have that make sense, um, because I, I think he's a bit hit or miss. You know, his second season in the league, 24 points. Um, but hasn't gotten to that 20-point mark since then. Uh, so you'll have to kind of just keep an eye on that. But his offensive game has been absolutely rolling uh, of late, uh, has points in four straight. And so something to keep an eye on. Maybe you take a flyer on him if if you've got – no pun intended, actually uh, – if you've got the opportunity <laughs> there. Uh, and then one other name to throw out, a little surprised at how low he's on this list, is Tory Krug, uh, 29% ownership for him. Uh, the numbers have been, uh, you know, maybe a little subpar. There was a brief kind of early November flash. He is back into a, a three-game pointless streak. Uh, but he's got 12 shots in those last three games. So I feel okay about that. Uh, started the year pretty bad. Had a had a tough 10-game stretch. No, no points. Only 13 shots. Uh, but I think even though he's kind of slumping again, the fact that the shot totals are still high, I'm not as worried about it. The power play minutes continue to be there. Uh, he'll he'll dig himself out. And so, uh, you know, again, uh, 29% ownership should be plenty of opportunity out there to get Tory Krug if you need some blue line help. And there are plenty of other options I'll touch on in the next uh, couple of minutes here, AJ, to your point. Mackenzie Weger with Calgary. He's a stat sheet filler. Nine shots on goal, eight hits, nine block shots last week, in addition to two goals, doing it all. And yet he's not owned in 36% of leagues that are out there. I also want to talk about um, Justin Falk with a similar profile in St. Louis. Two, three assists, 
eight shots on goal, five hits, 10 block shots. So he's doing it at both ends of the ice. These guys are big minute eaters too. They won't hurt you at all at either end of the rink the way they're playing right now. Neil Pionk fits a similar profile, owned in only 28% of leagues playing out of Winnipeg and uh, three assists on his ledger. He's a guy that plays in the second power play there and he has eight shots, six hits and seven block shots to his record last week. So doing it again at both ends of the ice, that's what attracts me to these types of players. And I'll throw in two more guys that might merit consideration. Ivan Provorov with Columbus is is a first pairing player there. And uh, he's doing it at both ends of the ice with a goal and two helpers, seven shots on goal, six blocks. And finally, I want to touch on Cam Fowler. There are times, there are seasons where I've put a big black X through this roster, AJ, but they're starting to come around. And Fowler is a guy that plays big minutes for this club, 25 and a half minutes per game, 47% owned, sorry, 22 point, 22 minutes, 54 seconds of average playing time, 47% owned. And he's, again, another guy that does it at both ends of the ice, not only as a power play quarterback, but a guy who will get in front of shots and block them with six blocks last week to his his tally as well. So we we think there's opportunity to, to help you if you're struggling with defense on your rosters, and there are plenty of choices based on the top performers from last week. AJ, why don't you let, it, let us uh, lead us into the goalie talk of uh, what caught your eye and who were the stats gurus last week? Well, it's hard not to look at Charlie Lindgren for Washington. Uh, he sits atop in terms of fantasy point production for the last week. Uh, two, two games played, uh, two wins, three goals allowed. In fact, all three of those goals allowed in one game. Uh, he had a shutout against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Ownership percentage is just 25%. Uh, so really, you know, hard to, hard to complain about that. And if you look even further back, he's actually on a four-game winning streak right now during which he's got a 1-5-1 goals against average. Um, he's been getting plenty of minutes. Uh, looks like played in four of their last six games. Uh, so while I'm not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be ready to write uh, Darcy Kemper off as, as the starter there. He was dealing with an undisclosed injury, so that did factor in to some of Lindgren's minutes. Uh, he's certainly making a play for a bigger share of ice time. And then, uh, I have to mention Alex Nedeljkovic. What a fantastic week for this guy. Uh, starts off on a conditioning assignment in the minors, scores a goal, and it becomes the first goalie to ever score two career uh, AHL goals. Uh, so props to him on, on that one. Uh, and then comes up, gets recalled to the big club, 38 saves shutout against the defending champion Golden Knights. Uh, so really uh, a fantastic overall week for him. He, just the one win, but that still put him up into the top 10 of goaltenders this last week uh, because of the the shutout and the save performance there. There's a chance he could play himself into, into more opportunities. Tristan Jari has been wildly inconsistent. Uh, you know, you look at the overall numbers, six and seven, two, five, nine is the goals against average. Uh, but he's got four shutouts. So, it, you know, you're not really sure what you're getting on a night-to-night basis with him. So they could give Nedeljkovic uh, a few more opportunities here. And so that's a situation to watch, just 6% owned in, in leagues. Uh, so keep an eye on him there as well. Paul, any other netminders that stood out to you this week? There are a few, AJ. I mean, look at John Gibson. I mentioned Anaheim is a team that you can't sleep on anymore. They've got some guys that can help you. John Gibson... Had three games played. He won one of them, but he 
only allowed seven goals in total, facing 89 shots. So if your league values the saves that are made, Gibson should be a consideration. He's going to play over 60 games again this year, only owned in 66% of leagues. So there's room for for uh, an addition there in 34%. And uh, a guy that bears watching because this team is is improving, uh, albeit maybe not ready to take on the heavyweights in the division. But you can't shy away from a guy who's a workhorse, and he certainly is. He's playing very well right now. I wonder if Philadelphia can finally start smiling again about Carter Hart. He won both of his starts last week, AJ, owned in 77% of leagues, but uh, the trust factor is not there in, in uh, a few of those, and as well the 23% that didn't vote him onto their rosters. So uh, concern there. Edmonton, Stuart Skinner, similar profile, two wins and three starts, but boy, oh boy, I can hear the whining from here about uh, the Edmonton Oilers goaltending situation. So I don't know how much confidence I can have in him. In Florida, Anthony Stolarz is making a play for more playing time with two good starts last week and two wins, only four goals against for Florida. So if uh, if Bobrovsky ever slips up, they've got a viable second option, and that's part of the reason for their early season success over in Florida and makes him a consideration. On the flip side, despite the success that Jonas Johansson has had with Tampa, I think the sand is rapidly falling out of the hourglass for him. And his time, he uh, finished up with three starts last week, picked up two wins, 10 goals against, though. That indicates a bit of a problem, uh, a leaky goaltending performance. But uh, the high-octane offense of the, the Tampa club has overcome any shortcomings with him. But I think his ownership's going to dive precipitously in the next couple of weeks from the current 62%. And finally, uh, Connor Ingram, also a guy that's making a play for more playing time in Arizona. All he did was pick up another win in, a, in another start last week. Carol Vamelka is carrying the most of the mail, but Ingram has had a fine start to his season, only 25% owned, and Arizona's playing a bit of a tighter defensive style that that makes them look like a successful oper- operation. Finally, I want to get your opinion on the Buffalo goaltending situation. Uka Pekalukanen picked up two, uh, had two starts and one win last week, only two goals against. And uh, only owned in 17% of leagues, a, a team that has a lot of firepower up in front of them. And I wonder if they're going to sort out that mix and who might be the kingpin. To me, it should be Luke, uh, Lukanen because Levy has struggled out of the gate and Comrie's uh, been a career backup. So I think that his ownership should be on the rise. And I wouldn't surprise me to see him up around 40 or 50% in a few weeks. What about you? Yeah, that's such a tough one to to predict. Um, you know, Levi obviously they want him to to take over and, and be the the guy of the future here. Uh, I I agree with the assessment on Comrie. Um, you know, he's career backup. Uh, at this point, the numbers for Levi are such that it it might make sense to ship him back to the minors at least for a little while, just to see. Um, you know, if, if they can, if he can kind of rediscover his game a little bit, you don't want to throw too much at these, you know, younger netminders. Um, if you don't have to, he is waivers exempt, so they wouldn't have to put him on waivers to get him to the minors. I just think that might be the best choice for him at this point. Um, just because the numbers, the numbers aren't great. It's under, you know, under 900 for the save percentage over three and a half for the goals against average in six games. Give him some more time in the minors. Let Lukanen kind of roll with it and, and see what he can do. 
AJ, I want to finish up with another discussion about an, Ad an Atlantic Division team uh, in this category. Jeremy Swayman and uh, Linus Allmark are giving the Bruins exceptional goaltending. In fact, Swayman looks like the odds-on favorite now to win the Vezina after Allmark won it last year. So you can't ask for much more than that. And to me, that's really been the secret of this team's success. They pack the house in front of the net in front of both goalies. And that's been, I think, mission number one, keeping the opponent's score scoreboard down in the low numbers. So uh, offense is not too taxed in terms of what they have to do. A physical lineup also helps that cause. I think those are the two ingredients that make Boston the almost invincible team that we've seen year to date. I uh, wonder if you can pinpoint or agree with that assessment or see anything else in what, what the Bruins are doing that make them the class of this this uh, conference, I'll say, at the moment. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's unusual. It, it bucks the trend to go every other game. Uh, in fact, they finally broke that. Swayman actually started back-to-back uh, -back games uh, and, and gave up five goals on 46 shots. Uh, you know, overtime loss, so he still hasn't lost in regulation. Um, but just interesting that he gives up the most goals of any game this season the first time he plays in consecutive games. So um, not sure why they made that decision. I mean, like like we said, Paul, it's been working all season long, so why – go to Swayman for two straight, you know, it's not like he had pitched a handful of shutouts in a row. And um, yeah, I was a little surprised by the move to, to go with him there. Um, but yeah, this is a team built, uh, built on, on defense for the most part. And they're doing everything they can just shutting things down, limiting opportunities. Um, you know, the shots allowed per game are, uh, you know, still not not crazy low. Uh, they're they're 21st uh, on that list, so they are giving up a decent amount of shots. But it's you know it's a matter of high danger shots versus just generic shots. I think is what they're allowing. AJ, we're going to turn our attention now to who was most added and uh, dropped first. The most added category: Wyatt Johnson for Dallas. This guy is is uh, a guy that jumped onto the scene last week last year with a flourish and has picked up where that left off uh, of late. His ownership jumped uh, league high 23% last week. He's out, still only owning 34.7% of leagues, but he's playing with veteran guys right now among the forwards uh, in the Dallas lineup. So he's well insulated there and he's got the scoring touch. So might be worth an ad if you're looking for help there. And right behind him, Matt Duchesne, who must be loving life in the big D has been a late game hero for them uh, a couple of times in recent weeks. And uh, his ownership jumped 21%. So those are the two guys over the 20% mark. And uh, they're available on a club that figures to be uh, in the race for the leadership of this conference. So a good couple of good safe picks there that are not very well owned, but certainly playing among the top six players in that uh, loaded lineup that makes some sense to me. The next guy on the list is an interesting case in light, in light of Florida's recent additions to the blue line. Oliver Ekman-Larsen really helped to pick up the slack here in the early part of the season and has earned an extended stay uh, on on his play this year in, in terms of big minutes. But I think he's going to cede some time in the power play to a couple of the other guys there. And so uh, while his ownership did jump almost 15% last week, I think you're going to see it drop a little bit in the coming weeks when they relegate him to a bit of a lesser role there. Mentioned uh, Evander Kane. 
I, we take credit, I do specifically, for his rebound, AJ, of, of late. And he continued that with a jump in ownership of 13% last week. And uh, it, it speaks to the fact that I spoke to earlier in the show. He's going to get a chance to play with one of the two best centers in the world all season long. And so a uh, big physical player like him with his skills should be able to get at least 30 goals and, and maybe 70 points by, just by hanging around both of those guys and not doing anything too special. You mentioned Radko Gudis. He's the next guy on the list with a jump of 12.2%. He's an assistant captain in Anaheim. He's there for his leadership, but also the defensive acumen. But he, he's adding to that with some offensive uh, chops so far this year. I don't think that's going to continue. So I'm going to say uh, sell high on him because he's had the big offensive start so far this season. What about you? Any other names catching your eye? The number one on, on this list for me is uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Um Comes in at still just 22% owned. Um, feels definitely low to me. There was a late October into you know early November kind of three-game uh, goal or pointless streak there that maybe had some concerns, but uh, had a strong week of offense for uh, seven points in four games. Hasn't had a point in his last two but he still had three shots on goal in each of those games. Uh, he's getting power play minutes. We're up in both of those games and they were on the road to New Jersey and Dallas. Those are like hard games to, for a lot of guys to get some points. So I actually really like his game right now. Um, I think at just 22% on most people listening right now should be able to go out and grab him uh, in their leagues. And I, I would recommend it. He's getting, you know, a look on the, on the number two unit, Power play unit, the second line as well. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely jump on that. Another name in that same category is Cole Perfetti for the Winnipeg Jets. Ownership sits at about 14% right now. Uh, had a uh, five-game goal streak that got broken over the weekend. Um, getting another guy. He's actually up with the number one power play unit. Uh, had been skating there. He's on the second line with uh, Nemesnikov and, and Ehlers uh, in Winnipeg. I think a player, again, worth targeting. Uh, I would expect he'll continue to, to produce uh, already. has six goals this season. His career high last year was eight, uh, played in 51 games. He should be a full-time NHLer now at this point moving forward. I would expect he'll easily cruise past eight, considering he's at six. I think he could he could produce upwards of 20. I think 20, uh, you know, a 20 goal, 40 to 50 point season, not outside of the realm of possibility for Cole Perfetti. Uh, so definitely a player to look at in your league right now. I'm going to double down on Val Nichushkin, AJ. He's moved up to the first line with Nate McKinnon, and his ownership is still not as high as it it should be, in my opinion. It's still only a 59.2%, a jump of 10% last week. Uh, speaks to the fact that people are catching on to the fact that this big power forward is doing his thing and he's in a really great spot right now. So that ownership should continue to rise. And if you have a chance, grab them for sure. We talked about Charlie Lindgren. His own ownership is only at 8% even after a very strong week. It's, it jumped 7%. So people have to start noticing the fact that I think he's in line for more starts and more of an equal share in the Washington net at the very least for the foreseeable future and uh, playing very well right now. So I would take a definite flyer on him. I mean, we mentioned the Boston team a few times in the show. Charlie Coyle playing big minutes for them, but still only owned in 20% of leagues out there. I'm surprised at that, AJ, because he's going to be a top six forward on one of the teams that's battling for the President's Trophy. 
I don't need to make a bigger case on, than, than just saying that right now. He's well positioned and uh, in in line for should be what should be career high offensive totals if he if he uh, rises to the occasion as he's shown flashes of it so far this season. William Carlson, another guy that fits the similar bill. He is playing on a very stocked stacked team and reminding people that he was once a 40-plus goal shooter in this league in the first year with the Vegas Knights, and he's having a rebirth uh, of his offensive skills that I'm seeing of late and uh, well-positioned as well just because of the people that he's hanging out with in that lineup and uh, a bona fide top six player, in my opinion, who's taken advantage of that opportunity. We both thought that Cam Talbot was an iffy choice in L.A., So, for, but so far this season, he's really feeding it to all the people that doubted him with great offense, great stats, and then that's behind a very good uh, two-way team that really has some high-end skill in the right places to protect him. And in terms of packing the house, that's what they do in terms of their defensive style there too. And he's really benefiting. His ownership jumped 5.3%, but I think he's in line to stay at this level, AJ, just because of the situation that he's in. Any other thoughts in this category before we take our breather? No, I think we're uh, we're ready to go. I'll, I'll lead us into that, Paul. We'll take a quick break uh, here. And when we come back, we'll do injury news, player drops, DFS strategy for tomorrow because we don't have any games today. You're listening to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back after this short break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back on the podcast with Statsman and AJ. Now we'll not turn our attention to uh, injury news, as AJ said before the break, and talk about DFS strategy on a big slate uh, tomorrow night because there's no action as we're recording on a Tuesday. We're going to look at Wednesday's slate of games. So I'll uh, lead us into the talk about the drop players and injury issues. Uh, the most dropped player last week was Seth Jarvis, AJ, and he's still in line to play top six minutes in Carolina. So I'm not quite understanding that precipitous drop. There's no injury news on him, yet his ownership dropped 12.3%. Right behind him, Lucas Dostal, who had a fine start to his season in Anaheim. He's given way to John Gibson. So I kind of see that drop 
of 11%, but he's still only owning 13.6. And if you're in deep leagues, you should be ta trying to take a look at uh, anybody who's in a position to steal some starts in a secondary position. He certainly qualifies in that way. Then uh, third on the list, before I hand it over to you, Ryan Hartman in Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota is not a team that excites most uh, fantasy types because of uh, uh, glittering offense, but he will have a chance to play top six minutes all season long, and the ownership is right around 50%. And so if you're looking for a depth player in the middle of the ice, I wouldn't uh, jettison him just yet because he might have a chance to play with some some star players on an ongoing basis as he has in the past. So uh, maybe a bit too hasty in terms of giving up on a guy who has 30 goal potential in his arsenal. Well, speaking of too hasty, Paul, I think there's 12% uh, of people out there who are saying, whoops, with the Seth Jarvis drop. Sure, five-game point in the streak, went off for three points in his last game against Pittsburgh, two goals and an assist. One of those goals coming with the man advantage. The power play numbers are there. The shot totals are okay. They're not fantastic, but they're not bad. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was a big oops by, by a lot of people, and he came storming back with that three-point game. Jonas Johansson showing up on this list, about 10% uh, drops. Kind of makes sense when, you know, number or, you know, word is Vasilevsky is getting closer and closer to, to coming back. So I get, you know, you're trying to bail ahead of time before you get stuck there pick somebody else up uh, as soon as you can. And then, you know, some of the, uh, you know, one of the other ones, Billy Huso dropped like, yeah, he was on a, a brief uh, personal leave, but uh, you know, I kind of surprised to see that a little bit, but if you consider his last six games, he's given up three or more goals. Um, but the net mining situation in Detroit is far from settled. And so I think he <laughs> should be back in the mix. Um, so I would expect, you know, uh, a number of people will hold on to him. And I, and I think that's why you're seeing just a 5%, 5% drop there. Tara Vanen, uh, another player with Carolina, about 5% is the drop there. Uh, really just, you know, tough, tough little stretch there to start November, four games without a point. But the thing to me, and, and this is what I always look at before I would jump at a move, he had 10 shots in those four games. And that includes one game when he didn't have a shot. And so you're like, okay, the shot opportunities are there. The power play numbers are there. And since that four-game slump, he's got a goal and two and assists in his last three games. So I, I really encourage <coughs> – excuse me – encourage people out there, if you're listening, before you make these drops because the players' numbers aren't great, look at the shots, look at the power play ice time. If the power play ice time has gone away or the shot totals are zeros and ones and even twos – like, yeah, then you have an indication that those points aren't coming back anytime soon. Maybe you make the move. But if the shot totals are staying up, the power play ice time is staying up, I would encourage you to kind of ride that wave and not overreact to, to a short-term slump. Yeah, I would I would echo that. And I'm going to surprise you, AJ. The next guy I'm going to talk about is a guy that I've maligned since he jumped into the league here in Montreal a couple of years ago. I'm looking at Jesperi Kotkaniemi, his ownership started the week at almost 46%. It's now at 39 and it's exactly to your point. But he's look at the situation the guy's in. He's now flanked with Mar by Marty Netzcash and Alexander Svechnikov. And so that's a fine place to be in a second line for Carolina, a team that was expected to be uh, near the top of the league, if not right at the top rung. They've had a bit of a sluggish start, though, and maybe that's translated into some of these numbers. We've mentioned a couple of players that have fallen off. You mentioned Teravainen. 
Uh, I noted Svechnikov, even Michael Bunting. These guys are all guys projected to be in their top six and really have uh, have seen the team not deliver as well as we thought offensively. And I think they're all going to be there at the end of the year. So maybe a little bit hasty in, in those three instances, I'll say. We also want to note that uh, Chandler Stevenson's ownership is dropping a little bit in Vegas. I champion this guy because he was an unknown player who assumed a top six role uh, a couple of years ago, and he's done nothing wrong since then. And, and I think he, his ownership turn, should turn a lot higher than it is right now. And so keep an eye on that situation because he, he's playing with a bunch of superstars there too in, in that, that deep lineup. Johnny Gaudreau is an interesting situation, AJ, for my money, uh, a guy who's still one of the top talents in the league. Maybe he's not surrounded by enough to get the best out of him this year, but his ownership sagged by almost 6% last, last week. And uh, a guy that I wouldn't give up to, on too soon, Nicholas Paul in Tampa, he's had a top six role for this club to start the season. And maybe he's giving up a little bit, a bit of it right now. And that accounts for about a 5% drop in his ownership. But he started like uh, house on fire for this club and there's a big rangy guy who can play it at both ends of the ice and play it physical so i think there's room for him it's still among the, the scoring talents on this roster and maybe a bit of a hasty retreat in terms of his ownership is unfounded then uh, pierre luc dubois i mean people were excited including myself with his inclusion in the la lineup but his ownership dropped four percent still up at 84 percent so uh, a bit of a surprise uh, that he isn't scoring a little bit more than he has so far to date, but I think there's lots of talent there and, and I wouldn't jump off that train either. The Leaf goaltending situation, a bit murky despite their recent run of success. Joseph Wall factoring in and his ownership dropped 4%. He's done nothing wrong. Uh, he's played very serviceable hockey for this club and I think they're getting a handle on their defensive side of the puck. So he's a guy I would uh, I would certainly take a look at if you're looking for goaltending help and uh, I'll cede it to you to see if there's any other players you want to talk about. Well, take us into uh, the injury concerns here, Paul, starting with a big one just coming across this morning. Uh, Damon Severson suffered an oblique injury and is going to be out, uh, looks like, about six weeks. So that's a big hit for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, uh, blue line here. They, uh, you know, his his offensive production has been okay to start the year, Um but a, a big shutdown piece for them. They're going to be without him. Huge minute eater for them as well. Uh, so that's a, a significant blow just came across this morning. Uh, and then you know, a couple other uh, ones to, to talk about. Looks like Nico Heischer getting closer. Yesterday he was practicing in a top six role. Today he's kind of on the fourth line. So, you know, that's more of an indication that he's not going to play. He wasn't taking power play rushes at practice today either. So maybe he sure won't be back tomorrow, but he's at least practiced in two straight games for them. So that's certainly good news uh, on, on the devil's front. Um, one interesting one, I know it's not injury related, Paul, but uh, I think it's important to talk about Patrick Line was a healthy scratch uh, against Philadelphia over the weekend. He is back in a second line role. So whatever the, the concern is there, um, you know, he, he obviously is going to play, but a, a surprise scratch there from Patrick Line. We know the defensive concerns aren't always there or the spe- defensive responsibilities aren't always there. So perhaps not surpri- totally surprising to see him out, but looks like he'll be back in for their next game. In terms of top four defensemen and top six forwards, I'll cover off a couple more guys that uh, are on the sidelines right now that are causing concerns for their rosters. We talked about the success the Bruins have enjoyed this season. 
Imagine when uh, Matt Gritzlick comes back, that's more stability on the back end. He's expected to return on November 25th, so that's only a few days away. Uh, right hand in glove with that is Milan Luchis' uh, murky situation. He's facing an indefinite absence owing to a, some sort of a domestic incident. We don't want to go in too deeply into those situations, but wish the uh, uh, favorable outcome for all concerned. But uh, the big winger is out of the mix in, in Boston. And Jack Roslavic broke an ankle. He'll be out of the top six role in Columbus for the next four to six weeks. So that's a team that can ill afford that situation. Uh, in the Nets in Col Colorado, Pavel Francis is injured is growing. He's out for the season now. That means Ivan Prosvedov's big figuring to be the backup behind uh, Georgiev in the Nets there. So Pros Prosvedov is a solid pickup option if you're looking for goaltending help he should get 20 to 25 starts between now and the end of the season i would think and, and then uh, alex barkov day-to-day -day with a knee injury it seems like florida's got a revolving door in the infirmary a couple of guys come back and then this guy's sidelined there it seems right now it's day-to-day -day, but anytime there's a knee involved you got to raise a spocky and eye in my opinion and the tough guy for the montreal canadians arbor jack guy is uh, dealing with upper body injury. He's uh, out at least the next three games. He was the victim of a simple body check to the chest, and, and it took him in a bad position, I guess. And the robust uh, defenseman just fell uh, awkwardly, and uh, there's no timetable for his return, but he's missing the current road trip that the Habs will embark on. Timo Meyer is another New Jersey Devil high-end player who has been sidelined with a lower body injury. There's no timeline for his return, but that's a big vacancy in, in that roster after just getting Jack Hughes back, another big piece that goes to the sidelines for them. On the plus side in, in Winnipeg, Gabe Velarde is a guy that they acquired in the offseason from rivals in LA, and he has been in and out of the lineup so far this year, but he's now skating, rehabbing his knee injury and should be back in the lineup within a week. So that's some of the injury news of note uh, that you need to know. And you get all this information, folks, from us, but also there's a lot of support uh, in terms of what we do from the RotoWire website. So I want to remind you all, if you haven't checked it out, to do so because it's a wealth of information for all aspects of hockey that we touch on here and more that you should be familiar with. So I hope that you jump on that opportunity and find out some of the great work that AJ and, and I are doing over there along with our peers. We have a, a fantastic and deep arsenal of, of talent that is on this case every day not only in hockey but all other sports so there's my little commercial for our our organization aj I'm very proud to be a member of that uh, and i know you feel the same way we have now the chance to go into a dfs strategy for a 14 game slate i don't know that we do much stacking in certain situations but aj there might be an opportunity or two given some of the matchups i'm curious to know how you tackle it on the on the uh, DraftKings side of things for tomorrow night's slate. Well, look, uh, San Jose playing in a game, there's always the chance to stack against that. Um, they're actually going to Seattle, so you get Seattle at home, uh, and their first line is uh, hugely discounted on DraftKings. So I'll just run through those rather than doing center, wing, whatever. I'll start with the first line for Seattle. Jared McCann uh, is the most expensive option at just 5000 and then you can do uh, Matty Berniers comes in at 4,300 and Jordan Eberle at 3,800. I just, I don't see why you wouldn't use those guys. It really lets you save uh, a ton of salary right off the bat for a top line group uh, that's, that's going to be playing in a fantastic matchup at home. So I really like that stack. I went all the way across the board on that one. Um, with Berniers at center, my other center, tentatively, I have Nico Heischer in there. 
They're playing Detroit. He comes in at just 5,800. Um, I was a little more confident before the show that he was going to um, play. Now I'm a little less now that he's not on, uh, you know, wasn't doing power play rushes, that sort of thing. If he doesn't, I have enough salary to pivot and use Brock Nelson for the Islanders. Uh, so that's going to be my recommendation uh, at the center position. He sure if he plays, I, I like the matchup there, but Brock Nelson, uh, if he sure does not. With Eberle and McCann, my other winger, I'm going to pay up here for Philip Forsberg for Nashville. The numbers have been really good lately. Um, he's he's playing, playing really well. He's got three two-goal games in his last five contests, giving him seven uh, goals in the last five. 7,400 is the price tag. Home matchup against Calgary. Calgary not necessarily the most challenging team for them to play against right now, so, so I like sticking with that. Uh, I'll go to my utility spot. I'm going to use Curtis Lazar for the New Jersey Devils here. Comes in at just 3,500. They're on the road against Detroit. Lazar, as of this morning, is set to play on the first line with Eric Halla and Jack Hughes. So for 3,500 to get a guy that should at least stumble into an assist, I think it's a good spot to be in. His offensive numbers have actually been really good lately. Five points in his last seven games. Uh, doesn't get power play time, so that's obviously a concern. The shot totals aren't astronomical. They're pretty low, but you're really just playing the position right here, uh, Paul, your your sidekick theory, as you like to call it here. Uh, in uh, At the fence, I decided to just pay up all the way to the top. Go with Kale McCarr, 7,900. He's the most expensive defenseman on the slate tonight, but they're playing at home against Vancouver. He's just astronomically producing at this point uh seven games in a row with at least a point during that three game stretch or seven game stretch rather he's got four games in which he has three assists uh so including the last three he's red hot right now it's it's hard not to get him in there and then i'm going to go with philip ronick for vancouver on the other side of this matchup he comes in at just 4700 but you look at the numbers for the last week Chronic was actually one of the top shot uh, guys in uh, among defensemen for the last the last week here, uh, last four games, thirteen shots on goal, two points over that stretch, and actually has points uh, in all but two of his last fourteen games, and he comes in at just forty seven hundred, so a pretty good discount for him there. And then uh, I'm surprised I'm doing this, Paul, but I'm going to use Peter Morazic. Uh, for the Blackhawks uh, in goal. He's playing against Columbus. I just mentioned they lost Damon Severson as well. Mrazic numbers are not great. That's why he's just 7,100 here. Uh, there is also the chance they've been going every, every other game. It could be Arvid Soderblom that gets the start. Uh, he's, dro <laughs> he's dropped five straight games. But again, I think it's okay to do this when you're facing Columbus. This is a good opportunity to use the Chicago net mining to hopefully get a win against a team that's struggling against a team that's got injuries. Uh, so that's my playing goal. It's probably uh, of this whole lineup. That's probably the riskiest play that I'm, that I'm taking here. Um, similar price range. If you want to look at some of these guys, Connor Hellubuck is 7,400. Aiden Hill is 7,400, but they've got tough matchups. Uh, Hellubuck will be against Tampa. Uh, Hill's going up against Dallas, uh, assuming he starts. So there's some guys in that range if you want to consider other uh, other opportunities. But for me right now, uh, I'm I'm going to stick with Morazic. I you know what I don't mind that call AJ, and it's 
matchup related, obviously, with Columbus. We already discussed they're missing a key defenseman, a key center. but And that's part and parcel of why I went to uh, Connor Bedard as one of my players that I'm going to use. But I, I got to say something before I get into my lineup. I think in the eight-year history that you've worked with me on this show, this is the first time that there's no pens in your lineup on a game <laughs> night. And so history is made on podcast today. Uh, thanks to AJ. But uh, back to my lineup. I'm going with Counter Bedard because of the aforementioned matchup against Columbus. This guy has been all that all the, he was built to be in terms of a top top end offensive player. He's a point of game guy, and he has a chance to pad those stats with a big night against a team that's really depleted right now. You get him for $7,700. I pair him with Sebastian Ajo of Carolina. We've talked about that early in the early in the show that I think Carolina's been underperforming a little bit to date, but you can't sleep on this offense. They're deep and they're fast, and they've got a matchup against Edmonton tonight where, where there's a lot of uncertainty on the back end and, and uh, defensive structure. So I think he and his mates ha- are poised to have a chance to score big. And so the $6,800 price tag that he has gives me two affordable centers when you compare the fact that there are a bunch of other high-end and higher-priced guys out there that might not do as well as either of these two guys, in my opinion. So I'm very happy with the pivots. I go over to the wing, and I go back to hammer that Edmonton matchup with uh, Andres Vechnikov. Uh, you mentioned on your side that Carolina, uh, you've seen some low prices in some of the players. In Carolina, there are some low prices despite this matchup. He comes in at only $4,400. We're talking about a guy who is one of the top snipers when he's healthy, and he's rounding into form and has a great chance tonight in this matchup that pad his numbers. Jared McCann is a guy that we both look at wistfully and saying, why couldn't he be on our team still? Uh, I mean, you have a longer history with him than I do, but <laughs> Seattle's certainly taking advantage of the fact that he's been a consistent force with them. You mentioned also the, the free spot on the bingo card is San Jose, $5,600 a price tag to plug McCann into the mix. And uh, I switch over to defense and I, I buck my usual trend, AJ, and I spend up on the blue line to get a couple of guys who are linchpins on their respective situations. I mentioned the three-headed monster in Buffalo in net, and I don't think any of them is really lights out at the moment, but you got to give credit where credit is due on the other side. And Washington is playing, punching above their weight so far this season, and, and a big part of that is a healthy John Carlson uh, manning the point on the power play and playing very well and eating up big minutes and putting up big totals offensively. $6,100 the price tag for that matchup. Ditto for the situation with Dallas and their linchpin of choice, and that's Miro Heiskanen. Night in, night out, 25 minutes of play is guaranteed from this guy, including all the power play time. He gets a tough matchup tonight against Vegas, but I think it's a chance where he he and his mates in Dallas have to make a statement against the other one of the the reigning champs, obviously, and one of the powers expected to be battling with them for top spot in the conference this year. So Heiskanen should be ready to play and ready to go in this uh, high high impact outcome. And then uh, Batty Beneers, another Seattle stalwart in the middle of the ice the sophomore is playing against san jose coming in at only 5200 dollars. i think this is a chance where seattle obviously can run up a score and veneers and mccann will be central to that in in my humble opinion and so fending a total of ten thousand eight hundred dollars to get two front liners here in that matchup lopsided one i feel good about that then i have to go to the other side of the pittsburgh matchup and take mika zibanejad i know that you're not looking forward to a visit with the Rangers tonight because they seem to give your team fits. And I think tonight could be another instance of that. And I think in your heart of hearts, you might believe it too, 
by the fact that you glossed over your club uh, in your picks. $5,800, the price tag for a guy who is a very capable scorer, a frontline player for this team, and a low price tag. So I, I you can see my, I didn't blow my brains out in terms of any uh, picks, but I got a lot of all my guys between five and 7,700. 5,700. The $7,700 goes to Bernard, but also in the Nets to Vanacek with New Jersey. I didn't like what I saw out of Detroit, AJ, and they may be without one of their top defensemen. Jake Wallman suffered a, an injury that might keep him out of this matchup. Uh, it's not looking good at the moment, and that just makes my case for going heavy on New Jersey and this one picking their goalie to get the goalie win against the Red Wings on the road. In terms of final uh, thoughts, AJ, I don't know if you caught any of the games in Sweden. I watched them all, and uh, I I thought it, they, they did a great job in terms of game presentation, and uh, it was kind of fun to see the, some of the Swedish players being celebrated, and no no bigger name than Willie Nylander, of course, uh, made made me feel really good, but the Leafs coming out with two wins. So it was a, it was a good show, and, and uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff that they showed was, was kind of interesting, too getting to see a little bit of the Swedish culture. They, they really did a nice job with the presentations up here in Canada. I don't know if you watched any of these games or not, but do you like the idea of an in-season foray for, for a few clubs to go overseas? And you said maybe Germany might make sense. I think certainly Leon Dreisaitl would, would be uh, celebrated, I guess. But not too many players of German origin in the NHL at the moment, AJ. And I'm thinking maybe Finland might be a more apt destination looking at Helsinki to be the host with 38 NHLers born there. They rank fifth among the most uh, most uh, players from any na nation around the NHL. Of course, the NA North American uh, countries are without uh, needing to go into detail. U.S. and Canada, obviously well represented. Sweden and Russia are the next most after the North American uh, countries. But uh, Finland, fifth, might be making the most sense. Uh, Goalie-rich country for sure, but there are also a lot of other forwards and defensemen that, that might make sense for that to be a, a next host. But certainly, I love the fact that they're going around thinking that this might be uh, something they'd like to try again. Paul, no no love for Maurice Sider, J.J. Paterka, Nico Sturm, plenty of German players in the NHL right now. Seven um, or eight, seven or eight, not 38. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had to get that plug in defending your home, your native <laughs> native tongue, so... There of course, of course. Uh, look, I, I mean, really anywhere. I mean, I, th I think it's a great, it's a great, great way to drive the game. As I said last week, for U.S. and Canadian viewers, um, you get midday hockey. I mean, no, no complaints about that. Uh, they had the games on Thursday and Friday. They're you know right during you know tail back half of the afternoon or whatever. So, I think from that standpoint, it's it's a win-win, right? Uh, ratings wise, you're not competing against much else that's going to be on at that time. Uh, and I think it builds, you know, interest in, in those countries as well. So I say, keep doing it. I I'm a huge proponent of that. Uh, do it, you know, you're right. Do it up in, uh, do it in Helsinki, have one in Germany, uh, go to Sweden. I mean, I think even maybe some of the lesser, less quote unquote, lesser leagues or whatever you could, have a game in England that, you know, the English, uh, England hockey league is, is growing, um, ha have one in Paris or something, you know, that that's another league that's been growing the, the French league a little bit. I know we don't have a ton of players from those places. Um, but 
stars are stars. People come out and watch them. And again, the viewership, you know, TV numbers should be pretty decent back home, uh, you know, when they do that. I think it's something we're going to see more and more of. And I, I got to say, uh, thinking back to my experience on the last day of the tournament, the Leafs played an eight o'clock start in uh, local time. And then it was followed up by a triple header of football. So I had a lot of coach time for all that. And I loved it. So uh, a sports junkie like you and me, that's that's our wheelhouse. And this is another reason for looking across the pond and see if it, we can fit these into our schedules and it was a great experience to watch it all play out so uh, anyway fine place to end this week uh, thank you for listening to rotowire's podcast with statsman and aj as always we remind you that we are here to help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey so we encourage you to send your comments or questions on twitter where you can follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 you can follow aj at aj schultz 24 we wish you a good week and as always we sign off and say so long everybody Thank you.